Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the Performing Arts Channel of New Books Network. I am your host today, Renee Garris, and it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Dr. Adesola Akinle. She is the editor and curator of the book Reclaiming Ballet, published by Intellect in the UK this year. This book contains a collection of essays that examine the white, cis, heteropatriarchal history of ballet and how many dancers and choreographers are grappling with this history. It has started some very important conversations about the role of ballet today and how this art can thrive within the beauty of difference. Adisola, welcome to the podcast. I would like to begin by having you tell our listeners something about your background and what brought you to this project. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. Um, Yes, so I'm a choreographer and a dancer. So um, my background's in movement, um, but I've also gone on to sort of choreograph words um, into books. So I feel like I I sort of come to um, writing from that sort of movement uh, analogy. Um, I'm, a, I'm a dancer and I studied a, a sort of classical contemporary like Graham and Cunningham and also um, ballet. Um, and I've come to, uh, I came to write this book because um, in my world, um, as a black female ballerina, um, there isn't a lot of of uh you know my world doesn't it isn't around um cis straight white men and there's it's a rich world that i that i'm in with many people and histories and things that are going on and so i wanted to bring together a book that didn't really focus on on that mainstream picture but actually just celebrated and um explored and talked about and gave voice to the many things that are going on with ballet outside that that narrow group of people and that's because I think ballet uh, you know ballet is a beautiful interesting way of expressing yourself and sometimes people are only limited to knowing it through that straight white male 
um, lens. So the book's there to uh, give us some new perspectives on uh, realize to bring into realization how many people contribute to ballet and the wealth of artwork that's going on beyond that mainstream focus. Absolutely. And there are many great chapters, uh, essays in the book that really do explore that. Was it a unique challenge for writing and editing about dance? It's such a visual art. Um, that's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, I think that it's a visual art, um, the sort of the aesthetic of it is something that we, uh, focus on a lot but as an art form in your body it's a felt it's multi it's multi-sensory in that your body um even when watching something responds or or feels something within the sort of felt sensation of yourself and then there's movement is made meaning even as we're watching for watching it movement is made meaningful to us through our own memory of of movement sensation so one of the things that possibly um expands people's engagement with ballet is to be able to move away from just seeing it as um bringing you know there to create a a single aesthetic so you know if you think of ballet and then all you do is think of how do i build this uh single aesthetic that often again is sort of quite mainstream looking but actually ballet is a bigger, and dance in general is a, is a much bigger multi-sensory experience that, that we have when we're engaging with it or watching it. So writing about the moving body is challenging, but I think that if you write about it from many perspectives, then you get a sense or an inkling of the felt experience of that. And that's why... There are so many, I think there are 17 different contributions to the book, so, which gives us these, this sort of multi, um, multidisciplinary and multi-perspective, um, gets us cl- a little bit closer to what it's like to feel movement. Absolutely. There were some great chapters. Um, one in particular, I, I don't quite remember the author who talked about how she didn't have the typical dancer's body, um, and yet she was a dancer. So I loved how several of the chapters really pushed back on what that perfect body, what people think of as dancer bodies, and how uh, the, the authors of the essays related their own experiences. It was beautiful. Um, and I, I, I like that you started the book like on, on page one saying, this is about healing rather than a critique. And I like that because so many ballet books now are a bit salacious. They want to grab headlines and talk about um, some of the really dark sides. And there are dark sides. Absolutely. Um, could you, would you like to talk about the healing part of this book a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that chapter, I think you're referring to Mary Savaz's chapter, and it's called Tracing My Ballet Body. Um, and, the, the, you know, the f- funny thing about that is that I would, I think probably everyone that has done ballet feels like they haven't got that perfect body because the whole, um, the whole point of the perfect body is that it's unattainable in a way. So um, 
yeah, so that book, that particular chapter is looking at um, the healing that comes from the trauma of not really ever feeling good enough. Um, and I think that that, that is how ballet can um, move forwards, which is not kind of focusing on uh, the traumas, but on the positive healing. Um, I've been like looking at that from a, in general, as we kind of all get better from things like COVID, that if you, the, the more that you speak to yourself or your internal dialogue is around the things that um, you're trying to get away from, the more uh, substantial they become because thinking about things and constructing things in your head, uh, your body wants to do what it, what your head's constructing. So um, you're giving more energy and power to the thing that you're trying to change. Whereas starting to kind of draw uh, attention to and um, construct and, and make vibrant and joyous the things that, that you want something to change into or that you see in something and that maybe other people don't see yet, that gives power and energy to that thing. So the, the book is not about put, putting energy into the um, more negative areas of ballet. It's about bringing uh, color and life to the, the joyful areas of ballet, um, which in a sense exist in contrast to that trauma, but that doesn't mean that we need to um, give more attention to the the, that negative energy than than it's due. <laughs> it's right. it, I I think that that healing at the moment is a sort of global a global necessity as as we um, notice the sort of flesh of the earth and the flesh of each other. <laughs> you know, it's coming into balance with that is a is an important thing. So th- in that sense, the book is it's about ballet. But as, as I feel all dances, that is just a sort of microcosm or a lens for understanding how we move in the world. How, how do we move with each other in togetherness in the world? When you're dancing, you, you learn how to be in the moment, in the nowness of being together with everything, the stage, the lights, the other dancers. And for me, that's a microcosm of, of how to be in the world in a good way, in in interaction and and in response to each the world around, um, and so as we're sort of thinking more and more about how do we make that a healing space, how do we engage we, with each other in a healing space, in the micro of the ballet studio or in the macro of the living organism of the world, um, I think that puts it puts the ideas in the book. Uh, beyond just ballet gazing at its own own navel or ballet kind of just chiding itself for not being nice, but actually about contributing uh, further beyond the dance studio walls. I, I couldn't agree more. And I have to say, in just in the last, I don't know, six or s- months or so, watching um, dancers come back into studios, beginning to rehearse uh, again rather than on video, but in in the same space. Um, There is uh, certainly a lot that is going on. And so I agree healing is something that we all need to do 
anyway, but especially post-COVID or as we're moving through COVID, I don't think we're post-COVID by any means. But um, yes, I, I completely agree that, um, that dance is a healing art form. And yes, your book is micro and macro at the same time. So... Very nice. Um, there was uh, one chapter, or actually there are a couple of chapters, but there was a chapter that Sandy Bourne wrote about the portrayals of Black people from the African diaspora in Western narratives. Um, I have to say a lot of this information was new to me. And not that I'm some brilliant um, scholar on all of ballet. I was really intrigued by this chapter. As a dancer of color, how did you relate to that chapter? Yeah, um, uh, Dr. Bourne's chapter is really about um, suggesting that the sort of the black body has been present throughout um, because we live in a interconnected world, and most certainly, um, you know, in this Europe in this from the 1600s onwards. Um, Black bodies were a part of the economy and the society. So just to sort of say that we can't be not separate, we can't separate ourselves from each other. You know, we can't, we live in a global world and we, we have lived in a global world. So her chapter really kind of underlines where um, there are traces of the existence of black people in ballet. Um, I, I um, after uh, she, Sort of obviously, I've read the chapters a lot of times as I was putting the book together and things. But so after reading that work, I was thinking about um, paintings where often in galleries, paintings are critiqued for where are where, for instance, where is a black woman in this painting? As you sort of see a man standing, a white man standing with his horse or whatever the kind of thing is that he feels really proud that he owned, or or in a in a room and. It, it made me think oh, actually the that the black woman's presence is in the tidying of the table and the arrangement of the flowers and in in the in the the sewing of the clothes you know that there's a presence there's a presence of all the all the people and things that brought that moment together um so although some t- uh, although you could find that there's this sort of invisibilization, but that invisibilization isn't can't be an erasure because um, there's an impact that we've had, and and the people that are being invisibilized, there's an impact that they have, and I feel like her chapter is about saying, look, although um, it's not people are sort of um, as if they were invisibilized out of ballet, that the mainstream idea is that it's all a sort of a white um, aesthetic that what brought that aesthetic about and what supported it and what made it and there there's a presence absolutely absolutely always the presence even if it's unseen invisible as you said absolutely there's always been the presence of color um, within the the white aesthetic absolutely Um, I I really loved how the book sort of um, began to talk about what the future is and whether that's um, discussing binary roles or non-binary roles um, and adding, decolonizing, if you will, the repertoire. Um, is there something you would like to speak to that? Yeah, um, I think I th- 
I think the across the book there are examples of people and and uh, organisations that have been going for a long time, um, in in um, in the sense that people now are sort of thinking, oh, let's decolonise that, or how can we acknowledge, um, you know, the contribution of queer artists? But these are these are organisations that have been doing that for the you know. A, the last 60, 70 years, um, or the last 30 years, you know, long time, um, well embedded in their communities, um, it, geographically and also in terms of identity. Um, and that, that, seems, that seems important because um, as we move forward, often um, people uh, expect us to move forwards in this sort of deficit model of trying to backfill something that's missing. Um, and what the book's trying to do is say it's not missing, it's just that we need to, you know, recognise that it's there. So I think as for the future, part of that, part of that is um, for the next generation to not feel that they're having to create something from scratch, you know, to really... Um, make available and and show where there is this deep rooted uh, nutritious history that can help them move into the challenges of the twenty first century and move into the uh, multiple identities, um, queer identities, non white identities, uh, and not feel that they're doing that for the first time or alone. Because I think that's how. That's how you um, undermine um, a group of people by trying to present them as if they're historyless or that they're not connected. Absolutely, I, I completely agree. Um, I would like to ask you if you have any other projects that you are working on, any other forthcoming books. Yeah, um, funnily enough, around the same time as uh, Reclaiming Ballet um, was published, I also published a book called Dance, Architecture and Engineering, Dance in Dialogue. And that was um, coming out of two years of uh, workshops and choreography and performances, working with architects and engineers and um, looking at our shared interest in the idea of place. So what I was saying earlier about sort of us-ness and net the moment of now that I feel dance um, explores or opens the door to, that we're the cities and the societies that we create from the cities that we create also um, engage in creating a, a space for us to live and move through. And so that book is about what dance and choreography can um, bring the knowledges of dan- within dance and choreography, how they can kind of bring to the table um, that where decisions and policy and uh, uh, design for how we live together through city building, um, where those decisions are made, uh, how we bring the felt experience of the body to the to the um, static, maybe more static policy or uh, design of the city. That sounds fascinating, but I hope you will join us um, again so we can discuss that book. Yeah, thank you. That would be great. Yes. Well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Akinle. Thank you.